This is the Blind Entrepreneur Podcast, helping millennials execute their vision. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of The Blind Entrepreneur. I'm your host, Jonathan Grzbowski, and today I'm with Ethan Buckman. He's 24 years of age. He's from Cherry Hill, New Jersey, the co-founder of Stickman Brews in Royersford, PA. Stickman Brews is an American farmhouse-style brewery that makes old Belgian and farmhouse styles of beer with a new American flavor profile. It's generally an enjoyable place to hang out with an awesome atmosphere and, of course, fantastic beer. Ethan, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me on. Anytime, my friend. First question, tell us about yourself, who are you, and what is your story? Uh, well, I'm Ethan. Um, I, I guess my story as far as brewing is concerned. I, uh, in terms I, of life, in give life, it to me uh, all. I, I grew up in Cherry Hill, New Jersey, um, which was a great place to grow up, I guess. Uh, when I got ready to move off to college, I moved to the University of Pittsburgh, and um, my parents were very generous to pay for my college, but didn't have a lot of spending money to give me. So I only got $25 a week, which was not nearly enough uh, to do anything with. And I had trouble finding a part-time job as a college student, so I needed a way to make spending money. So I got myself a hot plate and started brewing beer in my dorm room to sell to everybody else in the dorm room because I figured out that they won't card you for barley. Nice. So that's <laughs> For beer in my dorm room, um, found out I liked brewing beer a lot more than going to college, and uh, so by my sophomore year, I had been offered a full-time job at a brewery and dropped out of school, and uh, kind of went from there. Interesting. So you were brewing beer out of the dorm room. I mean, what was what was that like? Did your roommates hate you? Did the whole floor? Because when you brew beer, it it smells pretty bad. It was great. It was uh, great for you and great for everybody else. Great for everybody. It was really a win-win scenario. Everybody got the beer that they wanted anyway, and I made some money off of it. I um, I also lived in a frat house uh, for the little bit of time that I spent in school um, during my sophomore year, which was my last year. Um, I lived in a frat house, and that's where the brewing really took off. Um, and uh, I was selling it at frat parties. I was selling it at events. I was... Uh, um, trading it with other people for various other things, you know, it was great. I kind of really got to mess around and be creative. College students will drink anything, mm -hmm. so even when it was bad, it was still, it was still pretty good. And, um, but that, during that sophomore year, I, I really kind of fell in love with it, and uh, I called every brewery in Pittsburgh about three times a day until finally somebody answered at the Church Brew Works and said, I think the exact quote was, we'll give you an internship if you stop calling us. <laughs> so nice. I went in and started working there uh, two days a week. By that summer, um, bad luck for somebody else, good luck for me. Another brewer had um, really seriously injured his back, and they really needed somebody, and I guess they liked my work ethic, so they asked me to come on full-time. And even when the other brewer came back, they kept me on full-time a month later, so I dropped out of college and... Uh, continued working for them. I was there for uh, several years before I moved on to my next job. Interesting. Now, is there a consistent theme of the types of beer that you were brewing in your college days to the types of beer that you guys are brewing now at Sickman Brews? Um, the stuff is, the, the types of beer that I was brewing in college, um, at the frat house, were a little, uh, um, were all over the place. I was just kind of learning what I liked, learning new recipes, trying different things. 
once I got into the professional side of things, once I was making money, you know, getting paid hourly to work with beer, um, I really kind of started to develop a niche. I, uh, by the time I left the Church Brew Works, I was in charge of the barrel aging program and the sour beers there. Mm-hmm. Um, when I moved to my in-between some stints at Church Brew Works, I worked at Hoffer House, learned a lot of techniques. But Church Brew Works is really where I got to be creative. And I did a lot of Belgian stuff, farmhouse style stuff, um, worked with all of the barrel aging there. That was kind of the thing that I oversaw. Um, and then I moved to Mustang Brewing Company out in Oklahoma City, and I kind of continued that theme. I, uh, I put some beer in barrels, dealt with them for those guys. I developed some recipes that really more had kind of a wild beer or a Belgian tilt to them. There were some beers I did there that became really popular that were they're very much my style. Um, in fact, a, a Cezanne that I designed for him just won a silver medal at the, uh, the World Beer Championships last week. So that was pretty cool. But, um, yeah, so I developed a bunch of beers for those guys, and I really started to, to hit my stride and develop my style. Uh, when I moved back to the area, I took the head brewer position at Freewell, and Freewell already had a very established and active sour beer and barrel aging program, and I got to really kind of dig in with that develop my techniques better. They gave me a lot of creative freedom and a lot of process freedom at free will. Mm-hmm. So I was able to develop those kind of techniques further, develop what I like in recipes and blends and really work that out. Um, and so, yeah, it has been a, a pretty distinct progression of a certain style of brewing that I've kind of developed for myself. Now, how in the heck were you, did you think to your, in, in, when you're in college and in your dorm room, the first reaction was, holy crap, I need to sell beer. Um, you know, well, the that... wasn't I need to sell beer. The first reaction was I need to sell something. Oh, uh, okay. Um, I didn't <laughs> want to commit a felony. Right, right. I was, yeah. And I, uh, <laughs> and I just thought of what, what everybody's looking for anyway and what, how can I get it. Now, is there a background or history at all with your family, either A, being entrepreneurial or A, being in the beer industry? Or yeah, I'm, I'm trying to find where your passion, all, where it all started. A lot of it is, there's a lot of people with a, a big passion for food and cooking and culinary stuff in my family. Um, nobody has ever been a, a professional brewer. On my mom's side, we grew up hearing stories from time to time about how all her older re- uh, relatives were involved in, in bootlegging in South Philly mm-hmm. during Prohibition. Nice. Um, but actually, the thing that really sparked it for me when I was 15 or 16, um, I was really into cooking and culinary stuff. And a good friend of mine's older brother uh, was living at their parents' house and moved back after college and was big into home brewing. And that actually is sort of the thing that planted the seed in my head where I was like, oh, you can make beer in your house. You can... You know, it's not just like some giant industrial process. And I started reading about it well before I was able to brew it or drink it when I was 15 or 16. I really fell in love with it. I actually, um, at Cherry Hill West, I took an entrepreneurship class when I was in high school and I wrote a business plan for my final project for the class about how I wanted to open a brewery Mm. when I was 16 years old. Interesting. I've I've had this idea for a while. and definitely, like, the culinary passion in my family has fueled it. And um, it's kind of cool, the connection with 
my mom's older relatives that were bootleggers and, and things like that. Um, but there's not other brewers in my family or anything. Okay. So, you know, you're 24 years old. You, you have your co-founder of a brewery. Um, you know, tell me some of the struggles that you've uh, you had in the very beginning of, of creating this uh, your, your business. Well, a lot of it was we all came in relatively qualified to do our jobs. So um, my cousin Jim and his wife Kate, who are my business partners, are, are older than I am. And Kate has a very serious business background, um, administrative background. Jim is kind of a jack of all trades. He's um, He's actually just graduated from law school, but he's got years and years of experience in a ton of skilled trades, construction type stuff, and also has a real estate background. So uh, the two of them really had a lot of experience as far as the administrative stuff. Uh, Jim was able to kind of direct the process for me and him to do the construction of the brewery. Um, and it was a lot of hard work, but he really, really knew what he was doing. And then as far as brewing goes, you know, I, I have a pretty good resume. I knew the, the portfolio of beers we wanted to develop. There was no problem with me contacting suppliers or getting them um, because I already knew all of them. Um, there was no problem developing recipes because I'd already done that professionally, those types of things. The big, the big challenge was really just the hours. You know, right now, I probably work 14 hours a day, seven days a week. So it's... Um, the big challenge has just been not falling asleep when I'm driving home and things like that, <laughs> keeping focused um, when you've got a million different things going on. Absolutely. And, and so we were talking a little bit uh, off air, but tell me a little bit, uh, tell me about how you were able to receive, you know, the capital um, for, for stuff like, uh, you know, for a brewery, because there's a lot of things that go into it. Even knowing, obviously, that you, you have uh, well-established business partners, but you briefly mentioned uh, a little bit about uh, a particular loan. Can you go into detail about that? So my business partners did contribute um, a significant portion of the funds to start the business, but we got an SBA loan for the rest of the funding. And mm -hmm. what I was saying to you off air is a sign that you are qualified and ready to open your own business is that you have access to the resources to open that business. Uh, that doesn't mean you have to be born into money, but it does mean that if you weren't born into money, that you ha either have access to the type of investors that believe in you, or you have the resume and the qualifications that would give a bank the faith to offer you an SBA loan, which is what we had. So um, we secured an SBA loan with relatively no problem. The first bank that we applied to, we sent them our business plan, it was strong, we sent them our resumes, the various financial information that uh, they wanted to see. You know, if you have a bad credit score because you can't pay your bills, that's probably an indication that you need to change some financial habits in your life before you should be worried about paying all the bills for a business, you know? So if you can't pass a credit check, maybe, and you can't qualify for a business loan, maybe it's not the best idea to start a business to begin with. Um, so yeah, we were, we were able to secure the SBA loan um, relatively easily. It took some some time to deal with the bank, but they didn't make us redraft our business plan. They didn't really make us jump through a ton of hoops. How, how strong was your business plan? How long did it take you to, to do it? Uh, how long was the business plan? It, it took it took a lot of thought, um, but the business plan was only maybe ten pages. Hmm. Um, there's a lot of there's a lot of strength and brevity. If you can say everything that um, there's that famous quote from Woodrow Wilson. 
that if he's given a two-hour speech, he needs an hour to prepare, but if he's given a five-minute speech, he needs six weeks to prepare. Um, it, if you can say everything that you need to say, uh, you don't need 600 pages to do it. Um, the whole argument was, this area is underserved, we have a good brand idea, here's why the money, why, why the finances make sense. Um, they looked at the spreadsheet where the costs and the numbers were. They looked at our basic description of our brand and our idea, and they uh, they were sold. So it um, I I guess the business plan was strong because they didn't definitely <laughs> questions about it. But it was um, you know, we didn't go through this big review process. We we knew what we were doing, and we wrote the plan out, describing the things that we already knew to be true, and that was the end of it. Um. I think a lot, in some industries it's different, for sure. Um, if you're going to open, you're trying to open a finance firm, the, the spreadsheets for how cash flow is going to work may have to be a little more intense, mm -hmm. um, in part just to show your credentials, right? But we were selling beer. Um, our, our resumes said we were qualified to run this business. We described the brand. We showed them the cost in versus the cost out to sell the product, and and that was it. We didn't need to dazzle them with anything or, or oversell anything because the information and the idea we had was good at the base of it. Yep. So why, speaking of brand, why Stickman Brews as a name? Um, well, the idea, part of this is really personal. Um, the, especially the types of beers that we brew in the industry, people have become so pretentious and so oversold um, it's become kind of an elitist activity, mm. and um, we hated that. And part of the image of that is that when you go into these bottle shops now, every label looks so overdone. Some of them look like Renaissance-style portraiture, and some of them look like, you know, Andy Warhol and Jackson Pollock had a baby together. And, <laughs> and they're all so crazy and overdone, so... The, the best way to exemplify our idea of keeping everything simple and having this non-pretentious brand was to just draw stick figures on the label. Mm -hmm. and, it, and it's been working out very well for you. Uh, yeah. So congratulations on that. Thank you. Um, and, and especially when the, the menu and, and the things that I've seen when going to your, your brewery uh, in person is very simplistic, which is obviously re a representative of the beer, representative of the brand. So um, you know, job well done on that, on that part. Uh, in terms of you know your your business uh, your business mind, um, you know, what has been your biggest failure thus far? Um, our biggest failure was really 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 overpaying the initial graphic designer, and I won't say their name. Um, mm -hmm. We had a graphic designer that, um, in retrospect, probably took advantage of us um, for us not knowing the industry and not knowing what those types of people charge. And we've since found a new artist um, who does what I think is better work uh, for much less money and is much easier to deal with. Um, so I think the lesson, the lesson that we learned from that was to always audit the people who are offering to provide you services. Mm -hmm. Great, great advice. Now, uh, you, you, you said that you're working 14-hour days now, which uh, over time you can get burned out. Over time it, it could just add additional stress. Uh, but what has been some things that you've been doing throughout your day that, that has made you become more efficient? I mean, be, creating a beer is a process. So you know, dive in a little bit on that. So um, as far as the brew process is concerned, it just kind of happens how it happens. We use some really rustic old techniques 
which I think are really valuable for our beers and create some sort of depths of flavor and some earthy flavors that you don't get elsewhere. Um, but those take a little longer. The, the big thing for me has been staffing properly. In the last couple of months, we've kind of learned what the schedules are at, getting the right staff in so that me and Jim and Kate don't have to do everything or don't have to oversee everything anymore. So even if I'm here for 12, 13, 14 hours, I'm only doing one thing when I'm here for that period of time, which makes my life a whole lot easier and makes it so that I can focus, so I can put out the best product possible um, and otherwise not get bogged down in too many, uh, too many bits of minutia. So do you use anything uh, resource-wise to kind of keep you, yourself on track, whether it's an app, whether it's a website? I have a big whiteboard bolted to the back end of the walk-in that faces the, um, I'm, I'm a pretty analog guy. I think a lot of people in the brewing industry are. You work with your hands all day, and it's a very uh, physical and creative process, and I think that kind of manifests itself in how a lot of people run breweries. Um, you don't see a lot of computer systems or spreadsheets in this business. Mm. I have a very large whiteboard where kind of like the whole, is like the brain of the whole operation is this little whiteboard in the back. And it's just bolted onto the back end of the walk-in. And I have all my inventories sitting on there. I have every tank. I have the current temperature, uh, gravity, which is the density of liquid. That's how you track fermentation, uh, the pH, um, and also the condition and what treatments I've done to every tank listed on there. Um, all my inventories, brews I have planned next, brews that are current, my current tap list, um, Sort of all, all the pertinent information the beer is kind of standing at me in front of this whiteboard, and I kind of just like go up to it and can be seen staring at it six or seven times a day, <laughs> trying to think out my next move. So, um, so somebody really wants to screw you up. So if somebody wants to really screw me up, all they have to do is erase <laughs> that whiteboard, and I'm done. <laughs> we have we have other I have other sheets for everything too. Sure. So like every beer has a brew sheet. I keep a separate inventory log, so I have all the information elsewhere, but I organize it all in this whiteboard so I can just stare at it all at once because you kind of need a lot of that information. So like I'll have a beer over here and it'll be fermenting. I'll be like, okay, that beer needs, is getting ready to be dry hopped. What hops do you think mm. in it? How much of this hop do I have? Is that, do I need to order it um, for this beer? Or can I use another one? Blah, blah, blah. So like, or this beer is moving really slow for fermentation. Um, what can I do about it? When do I need to get it on tap? Do I need to worry about it? Do I need to, you know, so all of the different pieces of the puzzle, all the, the basic information, the summary is just on my big whiteboard and that's kind of my system for how to uh, keep everything organized. No, I think that's great. I mean, you got to, the, the goal and the key to being successful is finding out what works for you and just going all in on that one thing. And it seems like you're doing that. So uh, I would say I'm the complete opposite, but uh, everything is digital. But that's just my world, and that's just your world, you know? Yeah, yeah, man. Brewing is a very analog industry still. It's, sure. It's one of the reasons I like it so much. It's one of the uh, the last true, like, uh, crafts that exists in the United mm -hmm. States. Mm -hmm. Couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. And, and so... You know, the, the Blind Entrepreneur, uh, this podcast was created for, uh, you know, basically so, so shine light on millennials, uh, but also to help entrepreneurs out with either starting the business or figuring out potential resources that they could use, picking up some of the things that you're doing that maybe they could use uh, with themselves. So what are three pieces of advice that you'd give to somebody 
that's either just starting out um, or you know some advice that you that you would like to give throughout the process of, of uh, owning your own brewery for the past uh, you know, X amount of years? Sure. Um, I guess that the first and most important piece of advice would be whatever business you want to start, get some experience in that field one way or the other before you start it. Um, brewing, it's like a really tangible thing. Just because you think that you make great beer on your stove at home does not mean you're qualified to run an entire brewery. Um, so you need, to, you need to actually do the thing professionally to see if it works for you on a big scale professionally. And you also need to have the experience of doing all the other things besides just making your product that go into running a business. Um, so that would be my first thing is that it's not, it, most businesses are not just hobbies that you get paid to do. Um, I would say number two is always pay yourself first, uh, whatever that means. So not necessarily just the salary, you're going to be poor for a little while when you open a business, but um, you know, lessons that I've learned the hard way, like getting enough sleep, handling your schedule so that you can be the most productive rather than just running yourself ragged, those kind of things. So always make sure that you take care of yourself first because the business isn't going to run effectively if you're not taking care of yourself. Um, and number three, I would say it's, it's like a two-parter is that start the business with partners. Um, most businesses do not run well on the back of one person, no matter how talented you are or may think you are. And in that, make sure you and all your partners have very distinct roles and stick to those roles. So uh, I think that the reason that me and my partners get along so well and work so well is because we all have roles that we're good at and we only meet in the middle when it's necessary. So if you work with people that you can trust and you know they're good at their job and you're good at your job, there's no need for anybody to micromanage anybody else. And then conflicts won't arise because everybody will just be doing the thing they're supposed to be doing. Perfect advice. Love it. Very well said. Um, you know, when it comes to Stickman Brews, what is next for, for the brewery? Um, we're getting into a little bit of distribution. Uh, so that'll be cool. We're going to be very, very limited distribution uh, just for brand awareness, those kind of things, uh, to be out in some different bars. Um, we're working on some really, really high-end barrel-aged beers, which I'm very excited about. And uh, expanding the restaurant program, expanding the food program, um, and staffing the place up. So we got open, we got our inventory together, we started sort of building our following and our regulars, and now it's time to go into phase two, where we expand um, awareness, expand marketing, and expand our offerings so that we can build the, the level of sales that we're happy with and can kind of remain stable and allow us to grow the way that we want to. Mm. So sort of priming the pump for all the growth we have planned for the future. What would you say is your, uh, your signature beer? Uh, right now, I guess the, the most signature beer we do, the most regularly brewed one, is a beer called Beer from a Farm. It is a, uh, it's what we call an American farmhouse ale. Um, it's nice, hoppy beer fermented on our own proprietor, uh, proprietal farmhouse wild yeast blend that we use. Okay. So my last question of the day, and, and I'm very in, uh, interested and curious to hear what your answer is going to be, but imagine that you had the worst day of your life. 
something crazy has happened, you're down in the dumps and you need to pick me up. What is that go-to uh, item of food that is going to raise your spirits higher? Now, going a step further, I'd even like to hear you pair that with a, a particular beer uh, that either you love or that you brew yourself. Um, go to, all right, so I have the worst day in my life. I probably would go with, um, I would go mussels and fries right. with food, and then I would have, uh, I would, <laughs> a very high alcohol Belgian triple, probably. <laughs> Something that's going to get you right off the bat. That's my, that's my personal favorite style of years. Um, it's like a real old school Belgian triple, so, and that's the, the food I like to eat is the stuff that pairs well with that, which is, uh. The mussels and fries. Mm -hmm. And the mussels that you have are amazing. Oh, you like the mussels? Class, classy. Very good. I loved it. Now, uh, Ethan, if you if you could just do me a favor, if somebody wanted to not only follow your journey, uh, but also to follow you know Stickman Brews in general, what are the uh, several ways uh, in order for people to contact you? For sure. So we have our, our website, stickmanbrews.com. We're on Facebook, Stickman Brews, Instagram and Twitter, at Stickman Brews. Um, those would be the best ways to get in touch with us. Uh, you can always send me a question about anything to info at stickmanbrews.com as well. Um, but all that social media is there. But really the best way to see what's going on is to just show up in the pub. Sounds good. Ethan, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate the insight. Hey, thanks a lot.